What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of National Pastime. John Toaster and J-Rob here. And we've got your championship weekend preview. Hell yeah. Let's do this thing. Um, we've also got a lot of coaching news to get through as well. Uh, so we'll probably start there. Um, what do you think? Just dive right into it? Let's get to the Bears. Fuck it. No, let's let's hold off on the Bears. I think the most interesting coaching hire is where we should start. And that is with the Broncos, J-Rob, hiring the Packers offensive coordinator, though not play caller, Nathaniel Hackett. Um, Hackett, pretty well respected around the league, especially in that Packers locker room. So I guess the big question is, does Aaron Rodgers follow him? I don't know. Tom Brady didn't follow Josh McDaniels. So I feel like this is just a, a retread that may may crash and burn just like the last time. Oh, OK. Yeah, we're really going to compare. OK, sure. Why not? <laughs> what do you think, Josh? How do you feel ultimately about the Rogers situation? Do you think that hack? I mean, you have to think that getting Hackett improves their chances here, right? Oh, 100 percent. I'm definitely excited, especially since. <clears throat> For a long time, they've gone heavy defensive coordinator, whether it was like um, Vance Joseph, Vic Fangio, and I'm already drawing a blank on the two coaches between him, but between them. But yeah, it's good to see they got an offensive guy. It does make me a little concerned that uh, he's never really called plays. So it's like, okay, you know, is it ultimate your play design or were you more just kind of like a good middleman between Rodgers and LaFleur? Um, he might not have to call plays, though, to be effective here. Like, to to that point, he's probably, and I think we mentioned this with Leftwich last, in the last episode, he's probably the third most important person as far as play calling goes within that Packers offense anyway, that's true. Uh, behind LaFleur and Rodgers. And mm. if he is the kind of guy that is just a respected person in the room, can be the CEO type, I'm, this what I'm really curious to see how he builds out his staff too, because it sounds like he's mm-hmm. going to poach some Packers assistants as well. And maybe that also continues to drive Rogers in that direction. But I wouldn't necessarily lean on the fact that he's going to call plays unless um, you've heard otherwise that he's for sure going to do that. I haven't heard anything. I just, with not really knowing who he wants as his OC <clears throat> with what I know right now, I'm just assuming that he might yeah. be calling the plays. Yeah. Um, just for the love of God, please don't bring over the special teams coach. Like, just leave him in Green <laughs> Bay. We'll be okay there. Uh, we don't need him. Uh, but I do think, especially with the rumors that Aaron Rodgers might even go to Denver last offseason before any of this was even like a coaching vacancy was even there. The fact that there are rumors there leads me to believe that there's a good chance that now he can poach Rodgers. Um, I do think it's a pipe dream to get Rodgers and Devontae Adams, though you were mentioning the green Bay's cap space. It doesn't look great. So there is a chance that they might not be able to franchise tag him. I think Adams is gone. If Rogers is gone personally. And you, do you think that's the green Bay's like, because they can't do it? Or do you think they would just kind of be like, Hey man, you know, good luck. It was a good run. Like, thanks for being a great receiver. Best of luck. I don't, I don't know, Toaster, what your thoughts I think are it's here. Similar to, I think it's similar to the Allen Robinson situation last year, where if they don't get him a quarterback, then he's not signing that franchise tag. So that's the only leverage that Adams will have. He's a 30-plus-year-old wide receiver at this point, but still has enough left in the tank to be viable. And quite frankly, 
the Packers have to clear a lot of space just to franchise tag them. So I think that right. it is a either a sign and trade or a tag and trade situation. But if Rodgers isn't there, then they're going to have a disgruntled Michael Thomas-like wide receiver who just decides to ultimately probably not show up. Yeah. As far I feel as bad Rogers, for Matt Lafleur. <laughs> Kinda like yeah. you go from having like just a stud roster, kind of letting the team run itself, and then now like you very well could get like people might think he's a fraud purely because now he doesn't have one of the best quarterbacks making what him uplifting. Love's not one of the best quarterbacks. What's up? Jordan Love's not one of the best quarterbacks. Uh, I mean, if you're asking Packers fans, they're all um, convincing themselves that Denver's going to trade for Jordan Love, which I think is some of the funniest things I've ever seen. Like, we could probably trade him for a basketball player. They've got the same level of like fucking jump pass going on. <laughs> jump pass is yeah, that? Is that pass. didn't? Yeah. Um, I mean, with the Roger situation though, is he's going to have? So he's under contract, right? So his options are either. Uh, if he doesn't want to play for the Packers, retire or force a trade. And the, I mean, not that there wouldn't be teams lining up to get him, but teams were realistically, you know, they're good enough to where he would want to go there and all that. The Broncos are for sure on that shortlist, but the Broncos play in the AFC West. Does Rodgers, and, you know, we talked about it a little bit last time, does Rodgers want to go and bang it out with Mahomes and Herbert four times a year and, you know, potentially finish third in that division and no matter what playoffs, because that's yeah. what the Raiders did. So and I, that, I, that was my first thought was expanded playoff changes that division. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, Toaster. Yeah, no, it's OK. Just fucking stay in your lane. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, no, that's uh, if Carr hadn't made the playoffs. And I mean, the Chargers and Raiders were right there, right? one of them was going to get in the playoffs. That means that three teams are getting in from that division at this point in time. And or three teams are could, possible could to get, get in um, from that division. And I think they instantly jump to at least second best in, in that division. If you've got Rogers there, no disrespect to Herbert, but I think that there is a level of experience and closing out games and mm-hmm. being consistent that Rogers has over Herbert still at this point in time and would trust him to be able to get it done. But if you look at the situation in the NFC, if he stays, look, if he stays with the Packers, they're obviously the NFC North favorite. Yeah, exactly. You're guaranteed to make the playoffs. And the NFC, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but like, look at the quarterbacks. Who are the top quarterbacks in the league? The majority of them are in the AFC. It's like, even if you make the playoffs with the Broncos, the potential that you get bounced in the first round by either a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes, a Justin Herbert, a Joe Burrow, like it's that much higher than you left off. Yeah. Sorry. Forgot about Tannehill there. Uh, But the NFC presents a much easier path to the Super Bowl. I guess it's really like who the fuck knows what his motivation is. Um, You know, I don't, personally care to get into the psychoanalysis of this guy at this point. I've heard way too much about his thoughts on things um, this year over his eyes on this one. No, I'm not going to pull the Woodley over his eyes, but I just, his motivation here is the biggest catalyst. Like, what is it? Is it to say, fuck the Packers and just go somewhere? Is it to win a Super Bowl? You know, is it to cause as much havoc as possible? Like it, 
he just <laughs> he really does what he ultimately decides is the motivating factor for him as he looks forward in his career because obviously he can still play i mean hell he might win the mvp like it, it's really going to have a huge domino effect on all this stuff um i'm i think i'm leaning that he probably will end up on the broncos just given the hackett situation and uh, I was, you know, I was gonna say is that i mean was that the play is hackett the hire because that was their best chance to compete immediately by having Hackett pull Rodgers, their offensive line coach, Devontae oh, Adams. I, I think that that was the play by the Broncos, quite frankly, right? And you let it play out regardless now that he is your actual hire, but that right. was probably uh, the major mo motivating factor to getting this done quickly. For sure. And it's a risky move, though. I mean, if, if it doesn't pan out, you know, not that Hackett can't still be a good head coach, but did you limit your pool of head coaches because of Aaron Rodgers, who frankly might say, fuck this and just retire, right? Yeah, yeah and I mean, he, nobody can hack it with Drew Lockett quarterback. So they're going to need to address that position regardless. Yeah. But to me, this was the play. They are saying, let's go just like we've had a couple of, you know, Patriots South or Patriots West, whatever you want to call them. Uh, this to me looks like Packers, south denver packers baby I mean, everything's south of green bay at this point so so i'm gonna put on my tin hat here i think rogers was purposely being an asshat all this year to drive down the packers leverage because if you're a team that's like kind of in shambles you don't want to handle the tape on the circus and now that you've like got the rumors spreading even before the season started that he might be in denver you get hackett he was an asshole there's people that don't like him you lose a little bit of leverage maybe in trades because the team might not want, not want to take him, that maybe this was the plan all along and they were just trying to find ways to give up less to get the same. Because now they could get away with just giving them a couple first-round picks, a couple second-round picks, and calling it good. And if that was the play, and this is like the longest con in like NFL history, that would be fucking wild. Well, the, the strange part is that this kind of reminds me of the Rob Gronkowski situation where the Patriots trade him away to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they had no leverage at this point. And there was a handshake, wink and nod agreement that Rodgers was going to be able to demand a trade if he ultimately wanted to at the end of the year. I think the Packers plan was for him to make it to the NFC Championship again, see that they've got something that's viable. And that last loss changed everything, in my opinion. I thought I was 95% sure Rodgers was back yeah. until that last game. And now I'm 95% sure that he wants to be gone, be it through retirement or through trade. But he is in the driver's seat because he doesn't have to play. And the Packers' hand is forced a little bit more by having their best offensive counterpart to Aaron Rodgers that they need to make a decision on before you know february 22nd to march 8th and yeah. if rogers is still playing that game then they can't build a team around him they don't know where they're at and i think that means that they move them for cheaper so uh, to your point j rob I, I, there is a little bit of a long con here but really it was just a lack of leverage by the packers at this point but even with that lack of leverage i mean the the going rate for even a marginally good quarterback these days is two firsts right like is there any way that he doesn't go for three first rounders minimum like even if nothing else is tacked on i mean that to me seems like it would be the floor if you're the packers 
you again, you say, Hey, you're still under contract for one more year. Fucking retire if you want, right? We'll we'll take that cap space and do what we need to do. I I just don't I don't see a scenario where it this drastically lowers his trade value to where the you know the Broncos or another team gets like a steal, right? They're not like flipping a second round pick for him. Oh yeah. I think even this is gonna sound steep, but I would still even be happy if they gave up first, second, and third for the next two years and just called it good. Their defense is pretty much ready to go. They're not losing too many guys. And their offense, like pretty much if you put a quarterback into their situation, it instantly yeah. is going to elevate whatever you have. Your offensive line is going to get better because he's going to get the ball out. And I think you could run the you could go Rams style where it's like, hey, we're trade the we're picks. Getting rid of, yeah, we're getting rid of these picks because Push we're the getting, chips in. Yep. Because his window's two, three years. It's going to be the same as Peyton. We're going to be awful when he's gone if we get him. And it's just rinse and repeat once again. So, yeah, I think they should just go all in and do what it needs to take. Like, give him, what it, give him what it takes and make it work. And Patton yeah, seems like we, the guy that wants to make it work. Does Nathaniel Hockett need an intern too? Is that why this is a wee situation right now? You're leaving us? I mean, I'll call plays. <laughs> I don't, the play will just be like, go do something crazy. Well, as in typical fucking Aaron Rodgers style, he's dominated the media here. This is about the coaching staff, I thought. While we were talking about coaches. Talking about coaches. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Fuck that guy. Okay. Well, let's move on. Um, let's get to the Bears here. So uh the Bears were one of a few teams that had both the GM and head coach uh positions open. They went ahead and hired uh, Kansas City's executive director of player personnel, Ryan Poles, as their general manager. And then Poles conducted uh, three interviews, second interviews with um, eventually Matt Eberflus, who got the job, uh, Dan Quinn, and um, his name is escaping me right now. But the old Detroit head coach, uh, somebody help me out Jim here. Caldwell. Jim Caldwell. Did they so, really? They yep, for, so, they, wow. So they uh, conducted polls, basically got the job and told uh, the McCaskies, like, I'm interviewing these three guys, stay out, you know, stay out of it. It was like a stipulation of him taking the job. So he interviews them and a day later ends up selecting Matt Eberflus, uh, which was today. Um, Wednesday, Thursday. I, yeah, and, I was expecting a polarizing pick from polls, but now this one just was kind of uh, meh. Yeah, to quote you, right? Yeah, yeah, it's very, very meh. Um, I'm, I'm not upset about it. I'm not excited necessarily about it. I definitely like Dan Quinn looked like the betting favorite there for a minute, and I prefer this over Dan Quinn. I think uh, you look at Eberflus's situation as a whole. And, um, you know, the fact that he's a first time head coach, I think, provides a little bit more upside, especially if you're going the defensive head coach CEO route. Um, but ultimately, like, was this the right move if you're trying to build around Justin Fields? W what are your thoughts on that? I'm going to have to go back and watch uh, Hard Knocks again, see what uh, his actual input. No, um, <laughs> I think to me, this is something where you it's almost a good thing in a way, because then you can find somebody that you bring in that's basically dedicated to the development of polls. That's I think this is the detriment of a lot of head coaching hires is 
you assume because they're good at special teams or defensive coordinating or offensive coordinating that they're ready and able to run an entire team. And that's not really the case. What you need is a, a great leader, someone that's very organized and can manage the situation. And now you can bring somebody in specifically, probably from the Chiefs, because I think that you just, you just like pick from the Chiefs if you're the Bears at this point, right? You know, Matt Nagy. Now you go with Ryan Poles and um, Eric Bieniemy. I don't know if he just flops over to <laughs> the offensive coordinator for for um, Justin Fields, but the point is now you have somebody that you can just say your job is to develop this one individual and Eberflus doesn't have to worry about that side of the ball just like I think yeah. Bill Belichick stays out of most of the offensive side of the ball with Josh McDaniels yeah I think that the biggest criticism here was you know if you okay let's say Eberflus is good and he hires a good staff well if that offensive coordinator is worth a shit he's going to potentially leave for a head coach job soon. And I think I saw Big Cat tweet this today, but he was like, um, look, if the Bears are in a situation where their offense was so good and so Justin good. Fields looks so good <laughs> that their offensive coordinator gets hired away, um, fucking sign me up for that, right? Like, that's that's a good problem to have. And I, I understand, like, not wanting to cycle through offensive coordinators with a young quarterback and all that, but I think there's there's routes for them to go here where I, I the short list of names. Uh, Are you that, disappointed that Ben McAdoo's off of that list? Oh my God. Yeah. So yeah. disappointed. So sorry. Fucking Panthers, man. Stealing, <laughs> stealing all the good offensive coaches, stealing all the good quarterbacks. Goddamn Panthers. Yeah. No, but I think if you look at, um, you know, the, the early rumor is that Eberflus wants to take a hard look at the Shanahan coaching tree. And I think there's a, another element here, too, that um, will basically bring in candidates. So Trace Armstrong, he is um, a, an executive agent. So he, he's an agent for executives and coaches. And he's a former player. He's a former Barry. He was actually rumored a few months ago to potentially take over the president of football ops position for the bears uh well he basically has now because both of his clients are now the gm and head coach of the chicago bears um joe or trace armstrong also happens to represent joe brady who as we know is a free agent so i would mm -hmm. i would think he's on that short list um other names if you're looking at the shanty tree that i've heard mike mcdaniel who's the 49ers oc but not their play caller because of shanty um, if I you think ever have a chance to look up Mike McDaniels fucking fun. I'm sorry. He's just not like if you think about football dudes, it's not Mike nope. McDaniels, but he's just out there to have a good time. And, he's brilliant. Yeah, he's fucking Dude, brilliant. One of the funniest things I read was someone tweeted being like Mike McDaniels will only take head coaching uh, offers from places with medical or with a uh, legalized pot. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably true. <laughs> But, you know, if you look at somebody like Joe, Joe Brady, right, who has to repair his reputation and is still very young, Mike McDaniel, never been a, a full time play caller and is still very young. I think those are guys that you could guarantee you would have at least two years with. Also, um, they've been connected to, again, the Chiefs tree, but Mike Kafka, who's the Chiefs QB coach and passing game coordinator. Since he's not currently a play caller again, I think you maybe get 
a couple years out of that. And then the other names that have funneled through Kevin O'Connell, who's the Rams offensive coordinator, again, doesn't currently call plays. Kevin Petullo, who's the Eagles passing game coordinator. He worked with Eberflus in Indiana and or Indianapolis. And then also Wes Phillips, who's the Rams passing game coordinator and tight end coach. He overlapped with Eberflus for three seasons previously. So I think if it sounds like anyway, they're going to go the route of not getting like the, the hottest big name offensive coordinator that is one step away from a head coaching role. If they do this they they would be getting somebody who's sort of an up and comer, uh, maybe never stepped into the role before, which obviously carries some risk. But I think the upside of that pairing with with a young quarterback could work out really well. So I don't I don't hate it from that defensive standpoint. Um, there's always risk with hiring a first time head coach. And I think the thing with all of these guys, we're going to talk about or we should be acknowledging is we won't know shit about whether these guys are good for at least three years and you know we look at Matt Nagy for instance okay offensive coach right coach coached uh, a Chiefs offense, offense that was like yeah. The, yeah the number one offense in the league and all this shit his first year Bears go 12 and 4 he wins coach of the year and it's like everyone's excited and it has been just a great (laughs) right exactly so it's like i i think we get too caught up in the fact that sean mcveigh and kyle shanahan and matt lafleur and all these guys were these young offensive minds and the game is shifting to that offensive side but hell like we were very close to having um mike vrabel in in the conference championship situation we could have had Sean McDermott in the conference championship situation. And obviously you, you named Bill Belichick earlier, defensive coach, John Harbaugh, special teams coach, like a lot of the really good coaches in this league are not offensive minded guys. I think just getting somebody, like you said, who can command the room is a big thing. So we'll ultimately see how it plays out. But um, I thought this was, it was definitely interesting Ryan Pohl's first move within 24 hours of, you know, being named general manager goes out and gets a defensive coach um, that maybe caused a little bit of a stir. Well, it definitely has in the Chicago, uh, Chicago land area. So um, interesting hires for sure. I was a little surprised that you guys didn't hold out for Dayball, but with Toaster saying that like, it's not necessarily good to have your quarterback guy, be having to worry about a bunch of other stuff when you can have someone that focuses just on them. So yeah, I guess I'm a little off the day ball because of what Toaster said, but I am a little surprised that he didn't go further in the, uh, like in the race. Well, and just yeah, he's a savant too, right? Like the, the memory that he has, the recall that he has, it, it makes it easier to play essentially two positions, right? Head coach and offensive coordinator. That's something that's special yeah. to him and not very, you know, widely available to the rest of the league. Yeah, definitely. I, it's look at the end of the day, you look at all of these top guys. I mean, they're all outliers in some sense, mm-hmm. right? Like think about every year, there's always how many coaching openings and it's, it's an inexact science, right? Like coaching or scouting coaches and executives is infinitely harder than it is scouting players. And 
you know, there's only a handful of them in the league. So why not take a swing at a first time guy with upside, like a Nathaniel Hackett, like a Matt Eberflus and see what happens, right? Like, what's the point of a retread? Like, I understand the Dan Quinn thing, and he was uh, a finalist or a pretty heavy favorite candidate in both these positions, as well as New York and Jacksonville for ultimately staying, uh, staying in Dallas. I don't understand the Dan Quinn love personally. I mean, people point to his experience as the defensive coordinator of the Legion of Boom. Yeah, that's probably the most talented defense that was been assembled in the last 40 years. Yeah. And they, he leaves, he goes to Atlanta. When was he successful in Atlanta? With Kyle Shanahan and Matt LaFleur on his staff, Matt Ryan as the MVP. They tanked as soon as that was, they were gone. And then he, you know, he shows up in Dallas and did a great job this year with that Dallas team, but they got exposed at the end of the year, right? Like the, the turnover thing, they were number one in takeaways this year. That's also very much a, it's, it's not stable. Yeah. Yeah. Year to year. Exactly. You're, you would always expect a regression there. And his thing, again, coming from that Legion of boom defense, his thing is that single high middle field close. So cover one, cover three, which, you know, it has its benefits, but is in today's NFL, if you can't play too high, like you're going to get exposed at some point. Right. So I never understood the Dan Quinn thing. And it's like, why do we continue to roll these retreads out? And I get, he's still relatively young. I mean, him and Matt Eberflus are the same age. They're 51, which surprised me to hear. Dan Quinn doesn't look as good as (laughs) no no, Dan Quinn looks like a much rougher 51 but and I know he only had that one stop in Atlanta but his final three years in Atlanta they had a four plus game losing streak in each one of those years why are we still giving these kind of guys opportunities you know it just it doesn't make sense to me it's different than a Flores where a Flores you know yeah he'd be technically a retread but it was three years in Miami it was he was, you know, did very well by all accounts. Two years of overperforming and one year of apparently subpar, but also had a seven game win streak in a subpar year. Right, exactly. And obviously clashed with management, which is why he was available. And he's 36 years old or however, you know, he's young as hell. So it's just, I don't understand until we get past this like retread bullshit with NFL head coaches we do the same thing with quarterbacks, right? Like why do you, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I think that's a little different, but like, you know, we look at PJ Walker, right? Taylor Heineke, uh, Taylor, Tyler Huntley. I almost pulled the U there, uh, toaster, but, uh, Tyler Huntley. And it's like, these guys should be getting opportunities over fucking Mike Glennon, you know, like there's zero reason a Mike Glennon should be on a roster. And we just, the NFL is just so into this retread shit. So I'm glad to see from both the Broncos and the Bears perspective that they went with somebody new and it may not work out, but we won't really know for a few years here. So uh, I, I like both of those hires ultimately for various reasons. Well, speaking about retreads, that makes me even more excited to find out where Brian Dayball is going to go. Um, so we can see uh, Trubitsky again. And um, <laughs> when we talk about evaluate, you know, coaches evaluating um, executives, I think Sean Payton did that this year. 
and found out that Mickey Loomis might have bit off a little bit more than he can chew, and he's just going to take a little sabbatical while they get that cap situation in hand, although I was excited to see him go to the Cowboys. It sounds like G Jerry Jones is all in on Mike McCarthy, and great news for the NFC East that they're yeah. through with uh, McCarthy. Well, my understanding with the Dan Quinn situation, too, is potentially he was offered a lot of money by uh, Jerry Jones to be to stay with the agreement, essentially, that he will take over for McCarthy um, next year or whenever it is. And Jerry throws around a lot of money and who knows what he was getting offered as a head coach in some of these other spots. But um so I don't know, may, maybe they move on to Dan Quinn. I, I'm a little surprised uh, by some of that just because I thought Kellen Moore would maybe be the natural successor there. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see how that plays out for Dallas. It, it definitely is interesting. I, and again, fuck Mike think, McCarthy, think, why? <laughs> I think Quinn's in a situation, though, where he doesn't want to go to another team that's not going to be competitive, right? He needs to rebuild his rapport. And That's if fair. he goes to a Jacksonville, a Giants, and he's going to be on a best case seven win team, what does that do for his career long term? Right. And I think yeah. he evaluated those situations. He said, short of, you know, maybe the Vikings are right there. I don't think that he was in consideration for the Raiders. There just wasn't an opportunity for him to rebuild his his resume as a head coach and thought, that, yeah. yep, I've got the best chance of winning a Super Bowl back here with the Dallas Cowboys, even though I do think that that defense is going to regress pretty considerably next year based on um, what they were able to do. Uh, I, we give a lot of shit to PFF, but um, I do give them credit for not overgrading things like interceptions. So like Trayvon Diggs was not one of the top tier cornerbacks per PFF grades because they said essentially this is a crapshoot that you're actually able to get yeah. the interception, right? It's more about the coverage <laughs> right. situations that you're putting yourself in and you get burned more often than not. Yes. Turnovers are very valuable, but they're not consistent. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. I feel like we need to start transitioning to the games, but there are a couple other coaching updates here. Um, the Raiders are interviewing Josh McDaniels, and it sounds like they're progressing pretty quickly there, potentially. Um, although with McDaniels, we should probably <laughs> not assume anything until he's, you know, and he sitting in his chair in his office. Um, so we'll see what happens there. And then the Jags apparently are pushing quite hard uh, now for Brian Leftwich, who is pushing quite hard for Trent bulky to get the fuck out of there and it sounds like he might be bringing adrian wilson former cardinal safety with him as his general manager so um Can we a see lot adrian going wilson on there fight trent bulky because that would be something i'd pay for oh hell yeah pay-per-view for that that would be awesome although i mean i don't really want to pay to see a man die adrian <laughs> wilson is <laughs> i mean if you don't remember adrian from his playing days like six foot eight brick shit house like he just killed people it was great yeah um so i do have one thing for you guys you guys yes. mentioned mcdaniels and the raiders uh brandon marshall was had an interview yesterday with the part of my take guys and he said some very very interesting things about josh mcdaniels me personally i hate the guy because of how much he just dismantled that entire team though you could argue 
without him going for didn't Tebow to, and dismantling all that playoff game with Tebow. I mean, <sighs> Demarius Thomas won a playoff game. Rest in oh. peace. Thank you for that game. Um, but there's always the joke that you had to kill the Virgin to get Peyton Manning. So they killed Tim Tebow <laughs> to get Peyton Manning. Um, but uh, Brian Marshall said in the interview that the most prepared coach that he ever played with was Josh McDaniels. He said he has prepared inside and out for every situation, every game. He said there were so many times that you could go up to him during a situation and you'd be like, hey, man, it's third and seven. What are they going to run? And he would legit just look back and be like, there's a 50 percent chance they're going to run a cover zero on this play. And he's like, and there was and he was usually right. And so he like had what's up off squib kick. Okay, good job, Josh. (laughs) But like, I was shocked that he had such a high praise for him, considering that he kind of drove him out of this, like, kind of drove him out of Denver. And so the fact that a guy like Brandon Marshall has such high praise for him, I was very surprised about. Um, He also said that Mark Trestman was ahead of his time and didn't get a fair shot in Chicago, which I thought was interesting. I thought it was interesting. Um, I don't know about that. Uh, we don't have to go down the Tresman train, but <laughs> but the McDaniel situation doesn't really surprise me, honestly. Like his his failures were interpersonal, ultimately. And that's um, what he had which, mentioned too. Was yeah, it was his ego that hurt the situation. Yeah, got in his way. He was young, and then we obviously know the indie situation a few years ago was just a bad look all around. But the guy obviously knows his shit. He wouldn't be you know, with Belichick for as long as he has running that offense if he didn't know what he was doing. Um, so that that honestly doesn't shock me too much. The, the most shocking part is that Brandon Marshall, like you said, was willing to um, shower him with praise considering praise, yeah. how their relationship ended. Yeah. All right. So okay. we have football still? Yeah, there's football. There, oh, there's nice. football. So um, <clears throat> we all went two and two last week. Um, so yay us. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm feeling it this week. I don't want okay. to jinx myself, but I something feels like my odds have like quadrupled from like seven and a half percent on my parlay pick to forty seven point five percent on my parlay pick. Yeah, I I think that that math checks out. Um if one of us doesn't nail a two game parlay this week, I, I'm uh, we need, anyway, I, I guess mathematically we need to get a four. Well, Jeezy, get in here. <laughs> the trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Bengals at Chiefs. Um, I don't know about you guys. I'm I was shocked that this was a seven and a half point line. I was thinking maybe something more like five and a half. Um, so I don't really this one, I know Vegas is or Chiefs have been Vegas darlings, but I don't love this line mostly because I can't bring myself to bet against the Chiefs and every extra point that they get above what I think they should be getting um, worries me or giving anyway, sorry, uh, worries me. I just don't think I know the Bengals defense has played well. I just don't think they can keep up with the Chiefs and based on what the chiefs did to the bills last week i'm just i'm i love joe burr you know and joe shiesty we trust and i really hope that he can pull this one out because it'd be a really cool story but the chiefs are in their fourth straight hosting their fourth straight uh, afc championship game for a reason and i think they're clicking right now so i've got to go chiefs 
even though it's minus seven and a half. And I don't love that. I'm in the exact same boat as you, but more naive than you in that. <laughs> I, I don't truly believe the Bengals are not the better team. I, I think right. everybody can get behind that. Um, yeah. The Chiefs have found their way a little bit now that they're clicking in the second half. It scares me a little bit more. If you go back to that Bengals game, though, um, Chiefs only scored three points in the second half. And I don't think that that's an indicator of what the Bengals defense is going to be able to do again. I'm just not as convinced that the Chiefs can play a full game and be that at the front end, the back end, whatever. At seven and a half, the backdoor cover is available to you. And the Bengals, to me, are going out there playing with house money. There's no pressure. Yeah. You have Joe Joe Burr who talked. I mean, they've been praising him the last game. His his uh, headset went out and he just started calling his own damn plays. He's out there having fun, and if he can do that, play loose. Jamar Chase against that secondary for the uh, Chiefs, it it's a mismatch, quite frankly. So they just if they can get Jamar Chase the ball, then they've they're going to have to double cover find some sort of um, way to shut him down. And then you still have T Higgins and Joe Mixon and Tyler Boyd. Like, yeah, like there's enough firepower on that offense. The main fear for me is can they not sack him nine times? And Frank Clark and uh, just, he hasn't been the same guy. So I'm, I'm going to take the points here. I think that it can be fun. And we all think I, I think we all know where I'm ultimately rooting for, but believing that the Chiefs are going to lose this game is tough for me. Yeah, I just I'm think with you. they can keep it close. Intern, yeah, I I love the Bengals here. Uh, the fact that they're getting a touchdown, I think it's going to be a close game. I just there's something about Burrow's magic. It seems like you're playing with house money, but you're also now have a blueprint on what you can do based on what the bills did last week. I think if it was just, well, well I'm doing not blueprint, but like it's, I know it's a stretch, but time. hear me out. The fact that it was Gabriel Davis that popped off. I think you can build off that. If it was just Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs the whole game, then you might be able to be like, okay, well, if we just shut down Jamar chase, you know, we'll be okay. But the fact that they were able to exploit other areas, of that team I mean, with a, was in my opinion, Matthew, to be fair, like Matthew went out in the first two, three plays of the game. True. Uh, I just think, I mean, you. this is up for debate for you guys, but I think the Bengals have a better receiving core overall than the Bills. And if the Bills did what they did to the Chiefs, I think that could be dangerous. And Jamar Chase clearly shows I got a that he question can get for it you. done. I got a question for you, J-Rob. Mm -hmm. Are the, the Bengals going to trade for Josh Allen? before the game starts this week or because that to me is not replicable necessarily no and i'm not saying replicable but i just that think way real quick j rob i was going to go the bills offensive line versus the Bengals offensive line are also night and day so you're taking True. very talented quarterback and much better protection and now you're throwing frick, nine sacks and you win a game I, I, that's why i'm on him i'm like i dude's invincible to be able to get up after the beating he took last week, dude just wants to get it done. And seven and a half is a lot. Yeah, I, I like it. I know I've 
I know I'm probably talking crazy, but I do. I no, do believe they have not. a better receiving core, and I think it's going to be a close game. And for what it's worth, like I know these are playoff caliber teams. I know the Chiefs have been here before. Last week was an anomaly. That is an exhausting game. That is an emotional roller coaster. I know you have a week to prepare, but that could have some carryover. And yeah. on the other side of it, you have dudes who don't give a fuck. Like you were saying, playing with house money. If the Bengals could jump on them early, which isn't out of the question with the big playability, this game could, you know, stay close. And I think it does stay close. Chiefs right. barely over 500 against the spread. Bengals are 12 and 7. So I think that this is definitely a number. If it was less than seven, then I'm I'm with you all day that I'm trying to protect my investment and in saying, okay, the, the Chiefs can pull this out. But when you're when you're at a number that high and the Chiefs just haven't blown a lot of teams away this this year, it's I'm I'm taking the points. Yeah, that totally tracks. I, I can't um argue with that point to be fair uh, something about it just feels like i'm well it, it just feels i would feel dumb <laughs> if i picked against the chiefs with how their offense is playing and picked against patrick mahomes at this point um so i did it last week and it burned me so i'm not going to do it two weeks in a row is it just me or does this game feel like it's going to be really 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 close like a last second play or just like a 48 to like six just like smashing that the chiefs give to the Bengals. yeah like, i don't feel like there's gonna yeah. be in between no totally i mean this ha it could be that moment where it's like the shoe drops right for the Bengals, and it's it's over um i'm i'm rooting for them don't get me wrong i am i'm 100 rooting for them here i the Chiefs are just kind of like the evil empire, man. They're just continue to trudge along right now. So, all right. So you two are on the Bengals and I am on the Chiefs. I like that. I just, uh, let's... gosh, looking back at these games, like demolishing the Raiders twice and demolishing, demolishing the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Steelers twice. Like there's a lot of uh, fluff that goes into this. We'll call it Eber fluff. I think um, my favorite term for, uh, any Bears fans out there, but yeah, 41 to 14 against the Raiders, 48 to 9 against the Raiders, and then 42 to 21 against Steelers, and 36 to 10 against Steelers. Like those are games that uh, just kind of skew the data in favor of that offense that I, I'm not getting behind because I don't think for some reason they match up, they matched up very well against the Raiders this year. And um, RIP Ben Roethlisberger, appreciate your retirement. And now we can move on to something else. <laughs> yeah all right 49ers at rams let's be the third matchup of these teams this year the 49ers won both regular season matchups and the niners also won last week despite jimmy g playing like absolute dog shit in lambo this game's going to be about a 50 50 split fan wise um from what we're hearing in SoFi, so no true home field advantage for the Rams here. Where a toaster, I am legitimately on the fence with this one, so I'm going to let you pick first here and tell tell me why. <laughs> I've got a bold prediction. Okay, and I don't think that you guys are necessarily going to be on board with this. Okay, but I think Jimmy G is going to throw a touchdown pass. 
and that's oh, bad news. So they're going to lose for the 49ers. Yeah. So <laughs> the 49ers are 10 or well, Jimmy G is 10 and one when he doesn't throw a touchdown pass in the playoffs. Um, I think the only loss was uh, the Super Bowl against the, oh no, it was a divisional game. Um, and when he does pl- throw a playoff or when he does throw a touchdown in the playoffs, he's one and one. So I think he's going to throw a touchdown pass and the right, the Rams are just going to run train on the 49ers at this point. I think that they've seen enough. They were up 17, nothing. They've learned what they need to do. Um, they're just so much more explosive. And quite frankly, the NFL, I don't want to get 10 hat on this, but the NFL wants them to win because chiefs versus Rams, even Bengals versus Rams is far more enticing to them than that 13 to three Super Bowl that there was against the between the Patriots and the Rams um, way back when, right, which is essentially where the 49ers are right now. So I'm going to say that the Rams are going to be able to run away with this one, not handily, but by a touchdown plus. Oh, man, I all of that makes so much sense. And I I feel that like this, this could be just a blowout but I can't get away from the 49ers right now. Like they just continue to play tough. And if they were, I mean, three and a half is like right there where it's not quite as many points as I maybe would have wanted uh, picking the Niners as an underdog here, but they're just, they're a tough ass team and they somehow continue to win these games. I just don't get it. And it, you know, it's one thing like last week in Green Bay, right? They were what a six-point dog. Does that sound right to you guys? When we picked, and I had zero. Uh, like yes, they they were. Um, I I know because I picked the Packers to win by six points. <laughs> okay, um, so they were a six-point dog last week, and I thought like, okay, I don't think there's any way they win this game on the road, but they can cover six points like with how they're playing and then sure as shit, they go out and, you know, give it to Aaron Rodgers and Devonte Adams, which I, I got to tell you, maybe I'm just riding high from that feeling. I just can't, I can't get past the fact that the 49ers gave me uh, my most satisfaction from a football game that I've gotten all year from any team. But um, <laughs> I'm just, there's some magic and I just can't, I don't know. Jimmy G doesn't throw any touchdowns. This is my prediction. No touchdowns and they win. Uh, So 49ers, I'm going 49ers plus three and a half here. So we're split. J-Rob, where are you going? So I've dogged on the Niners pretty much all year. Called them frauds. So I don't know if this is like reverse psychology, but I'm I'm going with the Niners. I think... (laughs) I think they just do so much misdirection that it can help litigate some of that pass rush. They're not really a heavy drop back team. There's a lot of motion going on. So that can kind of keep Von Miller from just painting his ears and going after Jimmy. Um, The Rams line is nasty though, but I mean, is it safe to say that Mike Shanahan is Sean McVay's daddy? Like he owns him. He's 0 and 6 or McVay's 0 and 6 against him. And I'm just going to, I think that will prevail. I think there's something to be said about having six wins, especially with 
kind of the turnover of roster that uh, Shanahan's had and McVay's had. So like they've had different roster looks and they still can't get it done that I think Shanahan maybe has it, hasn't figured out a little bit. And I, I do think the Rams win this game, but I think the Niners cover, I think the Niners cover and uh, keep this game to a field goal or less. All right. I love it. I mean, the fact that, you know, my first thought in sort of researching this matchup was, okay, how did the the two regular season matchups go? Like, I didn't remember. Um, and I went back and looked at them and saw the Niners won handily the first game and then ended up winning the second one in overtime. I, I mean, I would have bet my house that it was at least a split in the regular season. And I, I know we, we joke about, you know, beating a team three times is hard. Um, and it is, but yeah, man, That's it's like, last year. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, uh, Shani, Shani does seem to have something over McVay. And I, I don't know if you guys saw, but McVay was asked about it, asked if Kyle Shanahan was in his head and he just said, no, <laughs> like very matter of factly. Um, I don't know if that's a good thing for the Rams. Like maybe it gives them a little extra motivation, gives uh, McVay a little extra motivation, or if it truly shows that he is in his head and he's frustrated by it. So um, we'll see. I'm excited though for this game, I think over the Chiefs and Bengals and the, obviously the the line being a lot closer reflects that as well. But um, all right. So me and J-Rob are on the Niners plus three and a half and Toaster, you got the Rams. So what's the only what's the only scenario where we get messed up here? I think we, we think we got everything covered, right? Yeah, I took both dogs. Um, yep. There's no parlay situation where we can't lose here. Um, there there's still one. No, there is. There is. What, it's Bengals Rams. He takes Chiefs and Rams. Yeah. Chiefs oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, Chiefs so, Chiefs and Rams fucks so us. G, we'll give GZ Chiefs Rams and he's going to fucking win and he's <laughs> going to want to be you know promoted the senior intern analyst yeah um josh one I, plus I do 102 think... odds on that that's awful <laughs> <laughs> on chiefs rams yeah that's yeah uh, that's what you'd get yeah well we're talking against the spread here though um i, I the funny storylines for me coming out of this game are I don't think that there's anything Jimmy G can do to increase his trade value for the 49ers. Are we all in agreement on that? Like, I mean, if he absolutely yeah. balls out possibly, but there's been so much tape where he, I mean, shit, he hasn't thrown a touchdown pass in four of his games um, yeah. in the postseason. Um, but D'Amico Ryan's is the big one for me. If he's able to stop this Rams offense, yeah, I think he's got a head coaching job locked up and great for him. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, there's a lot on the line, honestly, for the Niners. You talked about Mike McDaniel earlier, and we talked about him in uh, relation to the Bears, but I think he's a hot candidate to potentially snag an OC job in a bunch of different places, you know? Um, so there's there's a lot going on there, and... This could be the end of the Jimmy G era in San Francisco. So um, we'll see how it plays out for sure. But there, any last, of, there's not a lot of air in the era from Jimmy G problem. <laughs> hey, there's they, a lot they, of error, but there is a lot of error. Look, Jimmy G is such a fucking anomaly in that somehow 
He's made two NFC championship games, went to a Super Bowl. Like, I just don't get it. I, I don't get it. I, oh, you know what I saw? Um, somebody posted this uh, during the Packers Niners game last week, but they said Jimmy G legitimately. Uh, it, did you guys watch 30 Rock? Yes. Yeah. 30 Rock from the Sun. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, John Hamm plays a character in that show where he's just like, this super good looking guy and everything good happens to him. And he doesn't understand when like bad things happen to him because he's so used to it. That's Jimmy G's life. He's literally playing out this, this idea of like, he's just super good looking. Everyone loves him. He's like, doesn't understand. (laughs) Yes. He just doesn't understand how bad things happen to people because he's never experienced it himself. So, um, you know, Jimmy G more power to you, dude. Um, he, he said, fuck the Packers after the win. Cause he grew up a bears fan. Love that. So, uh, I'm all on the Niners and the Jimmy G train, I think for, for this game. This just popped in my head is Jimmy G- is Jimmy G our modern day Mark Sanchez. I think he's a little better than the Sanchez was. Uh, but I mean, I, two AFC championships. The bar, the bar is low. The bar is low. But yeah, he, that is, is Mark Sanchez that, comp. <laughs> that is a good. Uh, it's not a blood fumble anymore. What is it now? Oh, I don't know. They don't call it the blood fumble. You, you told me it was. Um, anyways, not not important. Bad anymore. radio. Yeah. Um. um <laughs> thought you would remember. You were so happy about it when it happened. So. It was one I'm, of I'm scrolling back plays through. where somebody ran into somebody else and it wasn't the butt fumble anymore. It was like the backside takedown or something like that. I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. I can't <laughs> find it. I can't find it. There's we'll no way I would remember it. that. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. We'll find it later. Um, all right. Well, anything else on these games before we wrap up, guys? All right. Let's head your bets. If you're hedging, you just yeah, if you're hedging, you just take home teams. But <laughs> um, the oh, Rams could be the so last year the Bucks were the first team to ever play a Super Bowl in their home stadium. The Rams can try to one up them now and play both the uh, conference championship and the Super Bowl in their home. Yeah, stadium. it'd be pretty damn cool for sure. I'd be on board and with for that. For some reason, there will still be more 49ers fans than Rams fans at the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a shame you build this beautiful stadium and in one of them we've got terrible windows and sunshine and then in this one you can't get a home field advantage no matter what so i think it's because san Fran's stadium is actually closer like all the fans are actually closer to los angeles than they are to uh santa clara, santa clara. yeah they built that out and nobody wants to drive to anymore so and i think the the we talked about the windows but the sun in Santa Clara, the heat in Santa Clara is not a good, not a fun uh, viewing experience for those uh, late afternoon games. Mm. So why not go to LA, right? Check out SoFi. All right. Well, that will do it for us, everybody. Uh, Thanks for listening. Here's to hoping that all of your bets cash and, you know, we've, we all enjoy championship week. Um, I'm hoping one of us, you know, at least one of us will enjoy it uh, this week. So we'll see. But I guarantee um, two weeks from now, one of us is going to hit the parlay. (laughs) 
<laughs> How are you going to do that? What if we all pick the same team? <laughs> we'll get cheesy back in. Okay. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. That'll do it. And we will catch you later. Later.